Millennials are ruining the world An exennial perspective Hey everyone, welcome back to Millennials are Ruining the World Whoa, whoa, whoa That's the actual audio file I got from Zoom But fortunately, the video file's audio works And I have a program to take that out And use that audio instead So let's try that again, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to Millennials Are Ruining the World. Um, what is it? <laughs> An essential perspective, bridging the gap between generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. It's a very, very long title. Uh, so this is episode two of the new season, and it is actually the first episode that I'm recording in 2020. As you'll remember from last week, uh, last week was a holdover from October that I had saved to start the season with. But now uh, we are, of course, locked down and sheltered in place. I can no longer have guests over. So uh, this episode is being recorded on Zoom. And I, I guess I should have seen if they wanted to advertise with us. That could have been an advertisement there. Be like, Zoom for your podcast. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. There's always room for Zoom or something like that. Or, uh, <laughs> or get through the doom with Zoom. How about that one? You like that one? I like it. Get through the doom. So anyway, uh, from here on out, we will actually address things like the pandemic, whereas last week we didn't know it was going to happen because we can't see the future. And uh, But it's cool. It's cool. So thank you guys for returning for season two. Um, our, I was going to say our first performer because I'm so used to doing showcases. This is, uh, this is my first time recording a podcast uh, since October. I think I say my guest. I think I'm going to say my guest. My guest today is a product specialist and presenter at trade shows and auto shows and travels for work at least 152.5 days of the year, usually. Uh, that's funny. Our last week's episode was about traveling. So this is a great segue, uh, all by design. At least she did those things uh, in the before time. Now that we're all at home baking sourdough bread, Every one of those events is canceled. So she spends her days learning what an actual schedule looks like as she researches how day jobbers live their lives. A lot of baby goat memes are involved, which are, to be fair, adorable. Please welcome Laura Pastrong. Hi, Seth. Hey, How's Laura. Usually there would be lots of applause uh, if we were <laughs> doing this live, which we never are. I've gotten so used to not doing things with applause now. Yeah, I feel like I watch a lot of late night shows and they're getting used to it too now. Yeah, you watch Bill Maher. That. Bill Maher, actually, they, they put in an audience applauding from like the 30s. No, that's awesome. It's really funny. He'll say the joke and then it'll be like, woo, but they're all dressed in 30s attires and it's in black and white. No, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I have to watch. But Conan gets really awkward and he's just yes. like, is this funny? I don't know. Is this funny? Maybe it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I've become like them. And it's like, I, but at least I get the live feedbacks when we're live. Like they come up the screen and I'm like, oh, good, an applaud emoji. That means somebody liked the song I just sang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people are saying something through text, which is exactly <laughs> At least I know that there are people watching. Like it's hard though when you're doing it live because I spend a lot of time looking at the number like how many people are watching and then if it dips i'm like 
someone dipped, what I do, what I do. And then if you're in a real cabaret, you know, people don't usually walk out. I mean, I guess they occasionally <laughs> do. I watched your live broadcast last week and uh, yeah, I saw you saying it's if they come in for one second, it still counts as a watch. So that's probably what's maybe happening. If there's I mean, I don't know. Out, moving around, I don't know. Some of the, the showcase videos, a lot of them are like at 13, 1400 views, but like, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. They can't see. Because <laughs> weird. Because I can see you. Because we're on Zoom, but the audience is just they can't hear my air quotes. But it's like the views. But I don't know. I don't know how many of those 1,200 people watched the whole thing. Maybe people just watched their friends, or I don't know. We did a play reading uh, of Christopher Durang's Vanya and Sonia Mush and Spike, and it says we had 600 viewers. So that's awesome. That's those are the numbers I'm going with. <laughs> Why not? You have no reason not to. <laughs> exactly. All right. So our first question before we get on topic is the same question I ask everybody. How did we meet, Laura? So <laughs> we met, wow, it's been over 15 years now. You um, want to admit to that? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I was in college and my roommate's mom found your website. On, I don't know how she found it, but somehow, and she decided that you were the very accomplished person in musical theater that she needed her daughter to meet. Yeah, and I wasn't even accomplished then. <laughs> you were accomplished enough, or you had a website. That well, was maybe enough. she could see the future. She knew. She, she knew, knew that you'd be off Broadway. <laughs> yeah, no, I think exactly. she's still on my mailing list, too. Oh, that's awesome. I, I actually was about to say her email address because I remember it, but I'm no, not going to do that. <laughs> her mom? or Yeah, her? no, her mom. I remember oh. her mom's email address. It's an AOL account. That's and I think she's still on my list. I think she writes me occasionally just to say, hey. That's awesome. So I, uh, I was emotional support for my roommate because she was meeting a complete stranger. I feel like yeah. we met at McDonald's. I'm not sure. Did we meet It was McDonald's? on Broadway. I remember we met on Broadway. It was, <laughs> it was between, I was, it was somewhere around Astor Place and Broadway. Yeah. Was, there's a McDonald's there, so it's very possible. Yeah. And then, I, uh, yeah, we hit it off and. Yeah, I don't, uh, we don't talk to her anymore. I mean, if if she's in New York, I, I have seen her before. And if I'm oh, in LA. Cool. No, yeah. I haven't talked to her in, in years. Yeah. I think we remained friends with her for a little bit. And then, then we weren't friends with her as much. Well, just college ended. So I think she yeah. just moved away. So, it's yeah. funny how things work like that. But I think we went to a movie. Did we go see a free movie? Was I getting free movies back then? Probably. That sounds right. I think right. so. I think yeah. we saw a free movie in Union Square. Oh, probably. That was the first meeting? Did we see a free movie? That no, no, no. That was like no. our second meeting. I think okay. I was like, I, I think I was like, Laura's so cool. And then I was like, I want to hang out with her. And I think we went to the movies. <laughs> I without, think so. Without, uh, we're not saying her name. We don't need to say her name. It's fine. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I don't think it matters. We're not going to say her full name, but yeah. <laughs> I think she got married and I don't know her last name now anyway. Yeah, she has two kids. Oh my God, that's too, too many. <laughs> wow. I you wouldn't be interested. No. In I, I, when somebody has kids, it's like, unfollow. Oh no. I actually, unless I'm really good friends with them, I have friends like my friend Alexis and my friend Jackie, uh, who are both going to be on my talk show, What Day Is It With Seth and Kelly, mm -hmm. which will have already, that episode might have aired. I'm doing the math in my head. That episode already aired by the time 
the podcast is out. Oh, okay. I'm doing the podcast where I think we're, we're this doesn't air for five weeks. Wow. I do things wow. in advance. This is, the, everyone knows that. It's not a, it's not a secret. But Life yeah, you can total. go back and you can watch it. It's called Bewildering Children. I think it's episode six of the talk show. I have my friends with kids on. My, and my, my point was, if I'm actually really good friends with them, I do not unfollow them when they have kids. That's good. <laughs> That's yes. kind. Exactly. If, it's, but if, if I was like, you know, kind of, uh, I was going to say tertiary friends, I guess that works. I was looking, what's the peripheral? Peripheral is the peripheral, word I was going yeah. for. I'm holding my hand on the side of my head and I'm like, what's it called? Peripheral, <laughs> peripheral or tertiary friends, as everyone knows, I like to use. Big acquaintances. Words. Yes, acquaintances. <laughs> That's the word for it. Thank you, yeah. Laura. <laughs> I just hide them if, if, if they annoy me. I just, I don't usually unfollow them. I'll just hide you from my feed. So. No, that's the same know. thing. Unfollow. Oh. Hide. It's the same. It's literally <laughs> the same thing. It's just a different word for it. I'm not on the Facebook lingo anymore. I'm proud of myself for not knowing that. But it's not defriending. You're still friends with yes. them. You just don't see them on your feed. Like yes. on Instagram, it's called muting. You mute a person. Mm. But I mostly don't follow people if I'm going to mute them. Mm-hmm. Except for like a few months, I was doing the follow unfollow thing where you follow people. And if they follow you back, you keep them. And then I would mute them. And the mm-hmm. people who didn't follow me back, then I would unfollow. But that was like a really long process. <laughs> it did forever. Get an extra 200 friends, but our followers, sorry, not friends. <laughs> I feel like on Instagram, it's really important to mute people because they take up so much space as you scroll and you really want to like get to the best things like cute dogs or something good. You don't want right. to see all these random pictures you don't care about. Really I prefer important. cats to dogs. But cats. I love cats. cats. Yeah. I, love I, I put, make sure to post every single cat day. Uh, while this is going on, it's literally in my planner every Saturday to post because I think people want to see me. Like they want to see the cat. I it, liked your post. I saw it. <laughs> you can't. You can't see the cat now because I mean the viewers can't. Uh-huh. You can't either because he's in a box. I don't make him come out unless I need to. Now he he got he got overextended. We were doing too many live things, and he was like, "Daddy, it's too much. Aww. I need a break." So he, he almost had a strike and I was like, I'm trying to use him a little more sparingly. Poor Smee. <laughs> He's so cute. All right. Well, our topic today is life on pause, uh, which is what we're all experiencing right now, especially those of us with jobs that are not in our apartment usual. Uh, mm-hmm. So how is your life on pause going today, Laura? So it's good today. I mean, uh, we just had breakfast. Uh, I am at my boyfriend's apartment in Manhattan. I usually live in Queens, uh, and it keeps me on a nice schedule to, to be here. It's been so nice to have. Is that going well? It's going great, yeah. It's going really, really well. Really fun, and it's it's so nice to not be alone in my studio uh, in Queens. So well, I have friends who are alone, and they're having, I think, the worst part of it. And I also have other friends like you who were dating someone and kind of got bumped up to the next level of living with them. <laughs> yeah, it kind of naturally happened, right? It's in a way sort of a, a boon for me. I was like, woohoo, this is good. Well, I feel <laughs> like there's going to be either a lot of breakups and divorces when this is over, or a lot of people are going to be like, yes, let's get married. And I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> will have kids in nine months. Yikes. I mean, I don't know if things will be safe in nine months. It's not great. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's that's a question we can't really answer. You know, it's like 
I will read all these articles and it just kind of makes me go crazy. It's why I wrote the song in my song cycle, The News Isn't New, because there has been no new news for months now. And it's all speculation and opinions. And well, possibly this will happen. Like I was just talking to uh, one of my regulars of the showcases uh, and he works as a, as a, uh, like a nurse, not as a nurse, as um, I think a resident nurse. Like, so he's more in the administration and he's actually working with the person who's ar the architect behind the four phases that are coming up that Cuomo's going to use about how to reopen. And uh, according to him, he says, we're doing pretty decently looking at the numbers, you know, like some people will be like, it's, it's obviously it's not good, but I think it could be a lot worse than it is. I think Cuomo has done a pretty decent job. I agree. I think things are going pretty well in New York as they as they can. I, yeah, as I well as they Cuomo. can. Yeah, I think people, when I go outside, people are following the orders. I see everybody wearing masks and it's very quiet. There's no cars. I feel like New York is doing better. Than well, you're on the Upper East Side, so there's already less of that. <laughs> mm, I don't know. It's usually pretty loud. <laughs> there's uh, not a lot of like stuff going on other than sadly ambulances. Look, I went really to the, the grocery store yesterday and it was very, very full. It's very, very tiny. And they had signs about six feet apart, but... I wasn't six feet apart from anyone the whole 10 minutes I was there. Yeah, I mean, the grocery store we go to is very, very chill. It's more expensive, but it is always very calm, good energy. But I would feel very nervous to be at Whole Foods or a Fairway near here. They're always, they have lines out the door. We've never waited on the line. So well, I think that those places are keeping it pretty safe, though. I mean, our friend Lauren works at Trader Joe's. And she says that they have very strict protocols in place there. Mm -hmm. Whereas the place I go to is a tiny little deli that is cheaper than everywhere else in the neighborhood. And so it's very tiny. Yeah. And I think the reasons the lines are out the door is because they're doing good things. They're keeping protocols mm -hmm. in place to keep it less crazy inside so you could distance better. So, yeah. I mean, the Upper East Side is calm. I hear people scream at seven o'clock every night for the, you know, essential workers. Oh, yeah. I hear that, That's too. Wonderful. Yeah. But I hear they don't hear it in Queens. A lot of people in Queens have not heard it. The Bronx, uh, other boroughs, because I think the buildings are, 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 short, are shorter and smaller. And maybe people aren't screaming out of them. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, there's a lot of horn beeping, too, hmm. and a lot of pots. And I see um, there's a playground across the street from me and people come out and they bang their pots on the playground. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm hearing noise from anywhere but my building. Like maybe I'm just getting noise from some of my neighbors. No, I'm sure it's elsewhere, especially since you're near Times Square, because even on the Upper East, I could hear it from all over the place. And like police cars are driving by, like playing New York, New York, like loud on black. Well, I think that's really great. I think I it's a good uh, show of solidarity. I really loved it the first time I heard it, and now I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it keeps going. <laughs> this is every day. It's and like a community builder. Like, we're all in this together, to quote High School Musical, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so how are you keeping sane with all these changes? So I have been keeping a schedule going uh, during this, which is really, it's different than usual. I never had a schedule before, so... Now, you know, because I'm with my boyfriend, we get up 
I get up about an hour or two later than him, but we get up at a certain time. Go yeah, I get up an hour or two time. later than my girlfriend, too. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's typical. And then he's working from home because he used to work in an office, but of course, those people are working from home. And I have been working out every weekday around before lunch around the same time which is probably i mean i always worked out but it's more of a schedule than i did before because every day every weekday so wow. not the weekends yeah it's been nice i'm in like the best shape of my life <laughs> um, i actually but- lost five pounds too i do uh three days a week monday wednesday friday a 20 minute routine celia gave me and then on sundays of course i do zumba yeah. Yeah, As you know, because everyone, those, that is actually the most popular stuff I've been putting out is the Zumba videos with my girlfriend, Sethemi Street Zumba. That mm-hmm. stuff has been getting like 500 views a week. She's a great teacher. That's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Are uh, you doing the Zumba with us on Sundays? Uh, I don't usually work out on Sundays, so I haven't really, uh, I just keep my, I have, I have two workouts I basically do. Sometimes I will go out and run, which I just stay, I could run in the streets, like no cars are there. So I run in the streets. Do you wear um, a mask while you run? Now I do. I didn't used to. Uh, and now I do because I had an incident with my boyfriend where we went out just to walk and Cuomo had said, if you can socially distance, you don't have to wear a mask. So we were socially distanced, but somebody was like, wear a mask so then i was like oh i feel really bad and we're both we're trying to be good citizens and you know not do anything wrong so now i'm like you know what i just don't want to deal with that i like to just kind of feel invisible when i'm running and just like do my thing and i feel more comfortable socially wearing the mask and i i think i got it to a point where i can breathe okay i mean it's not easy and once it gets hot it's going to get a lot harder it is, really it is very nice right now. I think by the time this airs in June, it will probably be even nicer. Yes. You heard it here. I predicted nicer weather for June. <laughs> You're a psychic, Seth. Yes, psychic. that's me. I looked in my crystal ball and yeah. I saw it will be warmer when it's summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, I've been getting into journaling, which is something I haven't done in a really long time. But oh, I started- that's cool. I always yeah. mean to do that and I don't. It, it was just random. You know how I started journaling on an Excel spreadsheet? It was like Google Sheets. I was just going to like track my feelings every day, just sort of like a sentence a day. And like now it's like this long paragraph every day where I'm like, I feel oh, this wow. way. Yeah. So you journal on a computer? I journal on a computer on a spreadsheet. So very wow. This 2020, Laura. That's <laughs> yeah. absolutely insane. I, I am very much a journaler in a book. And I feel like when you write it down, you it leaves you, you know? It really helps. And I find it leaves you, but it also has you thinking about it more in order to process it and get yeah, through it. Yeah, it gets it out of your subconscious or whatever. It's clearer for sure. Yeah. Right. So that you don't have crazy dreams or anything. Yeah. So my dreams have been repeating, which is something I haven't had happen before. They're not exactly the same, but it's always the same idea. And I think... It's a quarantine thing. I heard actually the reason a lot of people are having weird dreams in quarantine is because nothing new is really happening. So a lot of old subconscious things or old things that have happened to you are like coming up. Your body is looking for like information to use. So it's pulling up old memories and like things from the past, right? Uh, I'll send you the article about it. It was interesting. But I have these dreams that I'm trying to get to an airport 
and I don't have all my stuff and, and I have them lots of nights and they're all a little different. Like I have to go for different reasons and I'm late and I got to get to the airport and I forgot my purse and I forgot this bag and I have six bags and now I'm gonna have to pay for checking. And, uh, I've had at wow. least 12 of those dreams. That's so, very anxiety producing. I actually do have I had the same dream almost every night. It's a, it's again, it's a variation, but it's almost always about love quirks. Uh, like always I'm having, I, it'll always be, are we reopening? Like I had a dream we were in rehearsals to reopen and everyone was wearing masks. And I had one dream where we, we spread the, the seats in the theater out and like the, the governor was coming and he was going to let us know if it was spread out enough and, uh, and I have other dreams that the show was just happening normally and I wake up crying because I miss oh, my show. I'm so glad I got to see it. And I know I you'll know. reopen. I know it. <laughs> you were one of my friends who made it. I told everyone to come the first two weekends. First off, the first weekend of previews was my birthday. So I really used that, which is good. I had a lot of people come. I had the best birthday of my life, which is ironic given what it happened. <laughs> of course, we closed like three days before we were going to open. We we didn't get nominated for any awards because we were ineligible because we didn't have our official opening night. So, oh my gosh, it's it was a. Uh, and then all my friends who were going to come the third weekend, they felt really bad about procrastinating. Uh, well, they nobody knew. Apparently, well, some people knew, but they didn't do anything. But <laughs> yeah, the people who knew didn't, didn't do enough, and here we are now. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So speaking of airports, I know you, you fly a lot. So uh, what do you do? Let's talk about, I mean, I know, but for the pe people listening, what do you do for a living in real life? Yeah. So in real life, in the before time, I, uh, it's a, that's a Colbert quote. He always says the before time. Is um, that what he says? Yeah. He's like the before time. This is when it happened. I don't know if he says it anymore, but he used to say it in the beginning of the quarantine. Uh but I used to be a presenter and a product specialist uh, for bunches of companies, but especially Ford Motor Company and a bunch of medical companies, Panasonic tech companies uh, at trade shows, auto shows, uh, conventions. And I would travel at least half the year and I would speak about different cars or different technology, uh, different all city, all sorts of cities all over not just America, but I was in Canada and Mexico as well. So Canada, eh? Canada. What's that about? Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a boot poutine. poutine. I Delicious. love Montreal. I went to ah. Montreal this July with my friend Jen, uh, and it was great, except for our Airbnb, Airbnb experience, which I turned into a stand-up act, which you can mm. watch on my comedy YouTube page. Did you mm -hmm. see that one where I, I talk about the Airbnb? I think you did it for me on the street after we ushered once. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's, a, that's true. I did because I was practicing. It was great. I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. That one was really well received. I, I have a. I think I have three stand-up acts up from the before time. But like <laughs> once Love Quirks was happening, I like was like, okay, I'm no longer doing improv or uh, or stand-up or voiceover or acting, because I'm back to being a producer and a writer. But uh, no, and actually I'm really glad that I finished the improv at UCB because they've, they've shut down their training center and their, one of their theaters is kind of sad. Mm, so yeah. I'm glad I, I finished doing all that in time. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of things shut down, a lot of things in the nick of time. Um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, all the, sh so all the shows I was working shut down. I was at a show when everything started going down uh, in Minneapolis and they were not shutting down and I started getting more and more nervous because I was like, I'm at the show with hundreds of strangers, thousands of strangers who come in and try to shake my hand every day and they want oh, to I the hate cars. You. Yeah. And I don't want to touch the cars because I don't want to touch anything. And I'm reading about Italy and you know, it's like, what, what was that? March 12th or something. And they wouldn't shut down. They finally did uh, like two days before the show was supposed to end. But I was like, now I have to take a plane and I have to come back to New York where it's much worse. Maybe I should have just stayed in Minneapolis. Oh, but, uh, yeah. So it was, it was a really abrupt shutdown. So I, I think I still feel a bit of panic at the thought of, of the reopening, whatever that means and whatever that is, because what had happened was I was, I felt, you know, abandoned in this show and they wouldn't shut down. So they were like, things are fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, I don't think things are fine. I don't, I don't think so. So I don't know why I'm still here with all these strangers. Who, who don't understand that this, and then I came back and like two days later, New York shut down. So oh, it like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good you got back. Yeah, I was really worried about it. We were super worried. Um, my agent was basically like, book a flight for, you know, immediately, like the soonest flight and, you know, we'll, we'll get you out of here. So we all, we all got out the next day and, uh, that was our biggest fear that we we're going to get stuck. I was like, have you gone back down. to your apartment at all? Or you just haven't been back in months? I haven't been back in months, but I did go back right after that show. So I went back. We didn't know New York was going to shut down. We actually went to a restaurant um, and things were getting weird. Uh, you know, we were in Queens. So it was a little, it was a little quieter than Manhattan. And I, I was just like, oh, I'll pack up a week's worth of stuff. You know, I don't really, I don't really know. I guess I'll just stay with you for a week. I don't really want to ride the subway and Brian didn't want to ride the subway. So I just packed a week's worth. And then two days later, it was like, New York's about to go on pause, you know? And I was like, oh God, we need to go back to my place and uh, get uh, more stuff. And I was sort of panicking and I was like, I don't want to be alone in my place, but I don't want to like take Ubers. Like, I mean, you know, the Uber ride alone is like 15 minutes, I guess, from his place. So I was like, I don't really want to take these like, you know, $40 Ubers. And uh, I don't want to be in an Uber because I could get sick from it. So I grabbed a huge suitcase, got more stuff. Um, and I haven't been back since. So that was, <laughs> that was like mid-March. It's been a while. I mean, I think to myself, like, I could take an Uber and, like, go back, but I don't know when, and I'm like, well, if I get sick after that, I'll be so angry at myself. Like, what did I really need? I think I sort of worry about my apartment. I'm like, I hope everything's okay. I hope it's all right, even though I'm like, I assume it is, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know why it wouldn't be. It's like the, a weird... You have lots of valuable stuff, like, hidden in the apartment? No, no, I don't yeah. think it's burglarized. I think it's just like worrying about a friend, you know? I'm like, my right. apartment. How's I, my apartment doing? It was my first studio, my first solo apartment. I, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Are you still paying the rent on it? I am. It sucks. Um, and yeah, I don't really know what to do about that. <laughs> well, you can't really sublet it out these days. No, I could never sublet. Like, it's not really, a, 
loud and I live right next door to the super. So uh, uh, it would be bad. <laughs> that would not be super. Not <laughs> indeed. And since I travel so much, if I was able to sublet, I would have probably already been doing it because right. I, I'm gone so much. So do you miss being gone? Sometimes I think part of me loves hotels and loves like having these different cities and things to explore. So I really enjoy that part of my job. I enjoy like helping people out at shows and telling them things and that kind of interaction was fun. I love my coworkers. Like I actually have great coworkers. Oh, I see Smee in the back. Yeah, he's totally, <laughs> he's totally coming over to Beauty. see what's happening. Um, I have the headset and he can't hear anything. So he's like, oh. what's happening? You're just talking into this computer thing again. What is this sound? Um, yeah, so I, I miss that. I travel a lot, so I don't miss the amount of it. I sort of enjoy a little bit being home now. There's something nice about it and there's something nice about having a break. I, this has been a long break for me. So I, I, I think it's brought up a lot of like, oh, my body's never experienced this before. Like not having to prepare for a show or like prepare for something. It's very, it's very weird. Right. But you still have uh, one of your jobs, right? Yeah. So I have an e-commerce uh, side business where I make books. I make coloring books uh, and a bunch of other things. And thank goodness I do that because it's, it's all online. So I've done that on the side for a while. And now I'm just like, just going to really work hard on that because that's my, that's my main job now. But how do you make, you don't draw the coloring books. I don't. I have I have a lot of outsourcing going on for that. I'm not I am not a talented uh, fine artist. So So I I'm actually confused. So you 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 are in charge of the coloring book, but you hire the artists and stuff? Yes. Yeah, so I'm like picking what topics and how to what type of style I need and uh, how many pages and what I want and then I you know get artists to actually draw and then I um, put it all together and then sell it online. That is actually really fascinating. And I don't think I ever quite understood what you <laughs> did until right now. Oh, awesome. Glad I was. And I don't think you it. ever had mentioned this job to me because oh. I don't think I knew anything about it. I feel like whenever I see you, I'm so busy talking about travel stuff. So yeah, you, it's always yeah. about travel stuff. Yeah. So, so. like... So how did you get into this coloring book thing? Did you just one day wake up and go, I want to make coloring books? No, I actually have a friend who did that. And she, I, I've known her for quite a while, and she did something else a long time ago, uh, another money-making online thing. And she, I remember I'd lost touch with her for a bit, and I was like, darn, I, I wish I had asked her how to do some of it uh that would have been awesome because she was like doing really well but i hadn't and we kind of lost touch and then we got back in touch and she just said to me hey wanna like learn how to do this thing that i do and i was like oh my god kismet i can't believe that you just offered to teach me and i think if i hadn't had the you know thought about the other job she used to do online i maybe would have been like yeah you know okay but now I was like, yes, yes, please, please teach me. So uh, she taught me how to do it. And then that's what I was doing, what I started doing. I well, mean, that's really fascinating. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? 
Well, I mean, now it's really, I'm trying to do a lot more, but because of right. my other job, I wasn't doing a, a, a lot. I've been doing it since maybe 2015, but not even close. To, I know. <laughs> can't, the viewers can't see my shocked face. I know. I just did. <laughs> How did I not know about this? You've been doing it for five years. Well, I mean, it was such a side thing. It was like, you know, because I, I always do so many jobs. I mean, there's they're all event related other than this. But, you know, I used to. Well, I remember out. You, you used to stand outside of one of the banks. I think I have a flash drive and you gave me two. Was it Citibank? Yeah. So I used to give out flash drives at Citibank and, uh, I yes, still have both of those. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I still use those. Too. Yeah, I've had so many random jobs. I mean, my first job was a telemarketer. So I've had a lot of like really random things. I've done like bunches of flash mobs for companies. It's called promotions. So those kinds of jobs are just like really random little jobs that I sometimes I don't like to talk about because maybe I'm in like a Santa flash mob oh, or man. like that's actually happened so I was in a group of all Santas I was in a group of all I was in a wedding dress with a bunch of people in wedding dresses for a flash mob for a, I forget what wedding movie but it was some kind of like live advertisement <laughs> so. so how did you fall into this stuff like you just were like I like me we both were like we don't want a regular boring job Yes. So, I mean, I don't even think I had it that thought that clearly as you. I just left college. I was a drama major. I was like, I don't know what to do. And But during college, I was already starting to do those. And you know how I started? Craigslist. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> now it's all like, let me tickle your feet. Well, now so you're don't really, use Craigslist anymore. But. Yeah, you're aging yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Um, I got gigs on Craigslist too. Yeah. Yeah, I was in really grad good. school when you were in college. We met, I don't know that we ever said that. It was at NYU and I was doing a master's and that's when you were an undergrad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We probably could have yeah. said that earlier, but yeah. it's, okay. <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, I mean, I found those jobs on Craigslist and then one job all, always leads to another, right? Like it's all, it's all like accidental networking. Like you're at a job, meet somebody, they're like, hey, there's this other thing. You want to do this too? And you, oh, you want to sign up with this agency? So you end up signing up with all these agencies. And then there's so many of those kinds of promotions that it would just like take up most of my time. And at first it was all New York. Like I was constantly doing New York. But the problem is New York is not always warm. So like, these are year round. I'd be outside and like it would be snowing and they'd be like, here's your branded t-shirt. And you'd be like, well, it's a t-shirt though. And it's February. And they'd be like, it's branded though. You can't wear your jacket because you'll cover our logo. And you'd be like, uh, so a lot of those were pretty miserable. Uh, some of them were fine. Like the summer, I don't mind. Oh, the that's heat. horrible. But you know, you hear about that when they're filming too. One of my friends does a lot of extra work and she was saying, there was one day in winter, she was out at 5 a.m. and everyone was freezing, but they had to get a shot. Yes, yeah. They were I, pretending it was summer and then there was like all these space heaters in between the takes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was like a lot. I actually remember I, I had one for like Visit Orlando where we'd set up, it was a promo for Visit Orlando and we'd set up like a fake beach with like a beach ball and it was like February. So it was, people were like in a swimsuit, it was outside, and they were just trying to like use the space heaters to keep warm. It was like the same kind of thing. So yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, I felt very happy to uh, graduate into, you know, the auto show world where it was a lot, 
a lot more cushy. Well, I feel um, like the longer you being a part of something, the more you can start being picky about saying no to stuff. Yes, I agree. That's basically what happened. And I just... And you build up like your savings. So you're like, I don't financially need to say yes to everything anymore. Isn't that lovely? That's my favorite part. Yeah. So That's like what happens, I think, when you're a freelancer. I think you start in a, I'm saying yes to everything. I'm taking as many jobs as I can possibly take because it's so unstable and you don't know where your next paycheck is. And eventually you get to the point where you're like, I have earned some value doing what I do and people are willing to pay for that value. I can say no to lower paying things. Yes. Yeah. It's so nice to have more of a bargaining chip as you have more like experience under your belt. It's probably more like a regular day job or kind of strategy to like right, the resume. True. For me, I had a goal. Like I was trying to pay off my student loans. So I was still taking just everything I could to try to pay off my student loans. And I finally paid them off about two years ago. Good so, job. Thanks. I was, I was obsessed and I was listening to all kinds of financial podcasts and like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and everything I could to, you know, get inspired. And one side paid them off. Then I stopped, I stopped taking a lot of the Brando jobs. <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to. No, I, I, I believe in that too. You know, I, 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 I pay my student loans slowly because I have a low interest rate, but if I didn't, I would probably try to get rid of those faster. Mm -hmm. Mine were private, so it was really rough. They had a very high interest rate, and uh, I was just like, no way. <laughs> not, I can't do this anymore. I just don't like this payment. But, yeah. Well, NYU is a very expensive place. That's where all my loans were from, too. <laughs> yes, it's so and it's getting more expensive. They really need to do something. <laughs> well, now they're charging people even though they don't have classes, so Ugh. that's a little fucked up, but... I, uh, I'm angry at them. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed my everything China, is but, fucked up now. So yeah. it's like, well, what can you do? It's true. I mean, that's a good way to think of that. <laughs> All right. Well, before we end, we did want to discuss, I think, a little bit about uh, volunteer ushering. I know you mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people uh, don't understand what volunteer ushering is. So even though there is none right now, we used to do a lot of it. Yeah, so volunteer ushering was one of my favorite things to do because it got me into it got me seeing shows that I never would have seen otherwise. Even though I did through volunteer ushering find out that, you know, uh Second Stage had really good stuff and Manhattan Theater mm -hmm. Club had really good stuff. Uh I I didn't really go there before I'd started and uh, even though I knew they had good stuff, I travel so much that if I don't like make a date that I'm going to volunteer usher, I might not see theater. So it really got me seeing shows that I otherwise wouldn't necessarily. Did you get into volunteer ushering independent of me or was it through me? I think it was independent of you and then through you I did more. So Yeah, I, I think yeah. so because you were on some lists that I was not on. Yeah, because NYU was really had some good connections and people would talk about it. I think I got into it through NYU. And then when I met you, there were, you were on even more lists. Oh, well, I think I started doing it because of Avenue Q. Mm -hmm. I think um, I wanted to see Avenue Q at the Vineyard in 2000. And I won't say. And so uh, <laughs> you could look it up. Don't date people, us both. <laughs> people can look it up and see when it was. And that was back when I, I was writing a show for the Finch Festival. My first show, Meaningless Sex, which, you know, you saw. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> on the Spickner spin. Didn't you work on the Spickner spin? I was a stage manager. <laughs> yeah. That was back. Wow. That was so long ago. I don't awesome. think I knew what I was doing. I was like a year out of college. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Memories. We used to, for meaningless sex, we rehearsed on my roof because we did it non-equity and we put that show up so cheaply. I think it cost like $2,000 because it was non-ec. And then we did Spickner equity and it cost like 12000 But there also yeah. was like um, a full orchestra. We had a 10-person orchestra for that show, uh, which... Uh, the memories, memories. I'm going to talk about that show. I'm trying to think of when it is aired. It might have aired already. It might be the same week as this podcast that I hit Spickner. Let me see. Mm. It's the same week because I'm doing a new show on Facebook Live called Seth Sings Biesenhirsch, which is going to talk about all my projects because, you know, I've done the 30 episodes of the Love Quirk show. And then I was like, but I have so many other projects. And I don't want to do a song at a time or I could literally do every day for a year because that's how many songs I've written. So I'm going to group it by like projects and just, and I'm also going down to just Mondays because at the moment I did like 10 live things or recorded things this week and it's, mm. it's too much. Starting in June when this airs, I think it'll be the first week where I only have five things a week going on. <laughs> it's nothing. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I have off Friday and Saturday. It's like the, the Sabbath or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think I was saying I got into it because of Admin Q, and I met this guy. I think his name was Mark. I don't talk to him anymore, but he, I think he was ushering the same night, and he told me, oh, lots of theaters do this. And I was also reviewing at the time for NewYorkTheater.com, and I was, uh, which I, I learned to review shows at MIT, I reviewed some shows in Boston to get to see them for free. Uh, so I learned I could do that. And then I learned about the volunteer ushering. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the first show we did together was, but we must have had a conversation where we both realized we were doing this. Yeah, there's no way I would remember. I, I was just looking back through all the shows we'd ushered, like all your emails to me, like forward ushering, forward ushering. And I was like, oh my goodness, good thing I did this. I didn't remember this show, but I did like it. Yeah, so, we ushered. I think so you were hard. probably my first usher buddy. It was probably from 15 years ago. And you're the one I most consistently do, like MTC and Second Stage with. Mm -hmm. uh, back when it was easier to get slots, like a roundabout, you used to sign up in person, and then you could always get two slots. And I think we, when you started traveling as much, we started ushering solo a little bit more because mm. it was so hard to schedule. Yeah, it was definitely. But those were really good times. You know, I met... Well, you know, but I'm saying to the video, the viewers, you know, the viewers, the listeners, you know, like I met my girlfriend volunteer ushering. So, you know, I think it's a great little charming thing. It's usually a lot of old people and then us. <laughs> it's true. People are usually <laughs> very, very nice. It's fun. Yeah. To or sometimes people. there's people who are students who are younger than we are, but sometimes usually there's, there's occasionally people our age, very rarely. Sometimes the students are the house managers, like they're, yeah, they're very true. young. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, our time is about up. So it's time for our final closing questions that I ask everybody. Um, so first closing question on the topic of our theme, what is a time a millennial annoyed you? So I, I was thinking about this and I don't think I have a good example. I mean, I'm a millennial. Uh, I don't feel like millennials annoy me in particular. I know that right now, anybody who's like, I'm young and healthy, and so I don't care about uh, 
you know, wearing a mask and like, uh, I just want to protest. If they're a millennial, that would very much annoy me. So, a lot of them are. Yeah. So, hey, if that's a millennial thing, I thought maybe it was more of a Gen Z thing. It is uh, kind of a Gen Z thing. But yeah. if, if I change the top, the podcast to Gen Z, is <laughs> the world, it, it doesn't have the same, you know, umph. And also, yeah. I like a lot of Gen Z people. I think they have a lot of tendencies that are anti-millennial because they were raised by Gen X. True. But as yeah. I say, it's the behavior not the specific generation. So I would call going out without a, a mask a millennial behavior, regardless of how old the person is. <laughs> Just because you don't like millennials. Yeah, well, I, I don't really dislike them, but that's my brand, so I have to yeah, pretend. gotta keep it. I have no, plenty of hey. friends who are millennial. That's why I try to say it's the behavior. And if you listen to the season finale last season, uh, my friend Sammy and I decided we probably secretly are jealous of millennials and kind of wanted to be them. Oh, so, yes. Spoiler alert for season one. Go listen to that. Uh, so final question. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? I invest in Amazon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would probably be my main advice. Uh, and Zoom. Get, get out of the uh, relationship you're about to get into. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had a, a lot of relationships. <laughs> that was a particularly good one to dodge. So, <laughs> <laughs> but all of that, you know, baggage and all of that experience has led you to your current relationship. Agreed. So I, yeah, great. Yeah, which is awesome. So I, I definitely don't know what I would have changed. Because yeah, I think that sometimes it it takes you know, till you are in your mid to late thirties to finally get that right. Especially in New York, and especially when you're doing a lot of different jobs and freelancing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it definitely. It takes a while to be a freelancer and that's a commitment. I feel like it takes a while to get it into your blood. Like sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, anybody could do it, but not really. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh God, I can't, do it without the steady paycheck. And I'm like, I don't, I've never experienced a steady paycheck. Maybe yeah, once a, I had sort of like a random self-employed job where I had kind of a steady paycheck, but yeah, that's such a foreign concept. Yeah. I don't know what, know what, what a, a yeah. steady paycheck is or a, a, when they, when they're always asking what your, your monthly income is, I'm always like, well, it's very seasonal, you know? Yeah, and I'm so used to things rolling. Like people are like, oh, I'm waiting for my paycheck, now I can buy stuff. I'm like, well, I don't know, money's rolling in from October. Like, I I don't know, it's like all coming in like in a cycle. So nothing is like super exciting right now. And that makes me feel like I'm doing good because I feel like maybe six or seven years ago, I was like, oh my God, I bought the wrong flight and it's been more than 24 hours and I don't have any money to like buy dinner. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I don't envy people who are still living like that. Mm -mm. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, Laura. This has been super fun. Uh, Thank you for being the first guest I'm recording for this season this year. (laughs) 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 That's crazy. This is fine. I think Zoom works. I'll listen to the audio. Hopefully there weren't, you know, there might be some issues, but the viewers, the listeners, I keep saying viewers, the listeners will understand. Uh, And so thank you guys for tuning in uh, to this episode. Next week, I have Shara Ashley Zeiger, and we're going to talk about artistic value. uh, Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a really interesting discussion about what we're worth, because 
nowadays there's so much free content and as artists we're feeling pressured to put out free content but at some point you know we deserve to be paid for what we're doing and i think it's going to be really interesting week so i hope you tune in and uh you'll hear me next time on millennials are ruining the world and exennial perspective bridging the gap between generations x and y i'm not woke but i'm awake Millennials are ruining the world, an exennial perspective.